Hold them down, hold them off. <laughs> Wasn't easy. Yeah, yeah. A thirsty crowd. All right. I like thirsty crowds. Parshas Baloischa, I find this is one of the most uh, exciting and most uh, packed Parshas with so many different ideas that we've spoken about in the past. It has, um, of course, the, the, the beginning of the Parsha itself you know, begins with uh, Aaron's reflection, the fact that he couldn't uh, have, be involved with the Chanukah Sanasiyam, bringing the Karbonas that made up over almost half of last week's Parsha. And from there, the Ramban takes a, a lesson that we have the whole holiday of Chanukah that was hinted to, why Aaron was given the opening line of the Parsha that, that Aaron, Rashi says, felt bad. Oz daitai. Chalishus hadas. Chalishus hadas is a is a very serious term, that that he felt. He, he felt um, not that he missed out. It's more than that. And Akash Baruch told him, "Don't worry. Even though yes, you were not involved in the Chanukah Samizbeach, loyhu v'loy shiftai. Not Aaron and not his." his tribe of Levi, which in itself is an interesting thing, why, why Aaron was considered the, the head of the Shevet Levi. We would think that Moshe would be the head of Shevet Levi. Mm-hmm. He was a Levi when Aaron became a Kayan. And, but, you know, my, one of my rabbeim, Rabbi, Rabbi Weinberg, the Roshiva in Ner Yisrael, Rabbi Yaakov Weinberg, used to say, you see from here, that when Moshe became the leader of Klal Yisrael, he lost his individuality. He lost his self of his sense of self and be, being just one tribe, and he became Klal Yisrael. Hmm. He represented hmm. the Jewish people, hmm. and therefore it was Aaron, being still a Koyan, that he was the head of the tribe. Moshe was already beyond. He, I don't, I don't really use the term grew out of it, but he became bigger. He became hmm. a more in more important role, and it's interesting. Raya, this we brought the proof from this. From this, um, I think he said this at uh, his father-in-law, Rav, Rav Ruderman, the Rosh Hashiva's Levaya. He said how when someone becomes a Godel Israel, their role changes. They take on the role of a bigger, bigger role. And I think this, and, and because of this, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, don't feel bad, your role is greater, because you're you light and you prepare the wicks. Which, by the way, is an interesting question that I, I always had, and I saw Rabbi Breidowitz also asks the same question, what's if it's out of order? It should be, first you're mated the neiris, first you fix them, and then you light them. So it's it's out of order. What's the what's the what's the idea behind this? And he said he never found an, he never found anybody that asked the question, never found any, a good answer, and he doesn't really have a good answer for this question. So I, I felt I felt good if he doesn't have a good answer. So perhaps I'd like to use this as a springboard for an overall picture 
of the Parsha. There are so many individual, interesting and, and exciting parts of the Parsha. You have, we have Pesach Sheni, where the Jewish people argued and they begged that Loma Nigara, why should we be left out? They brought the Korban Pesach here, the only time in the 40 years of the Midbar they brought the Korban Pesach. It was the year after, uh, the second year of the, in the Midbar. And they said, why should we be left out? And, and Moshe Rabbeinu said, you have a good point. Let me ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the whole parsha of Pesach Sheni was offered and given to us. That's a, an exciting parsha. We also have the parsha of the Mon, which was originally brought in parshas B'Shalach. We were told about the Mon in, in great detail. And here again, we are, we are introduced to a parsha of the, of the Mon. And we're going we're gonna to see the Malbum goes through great, great detail, both in Parshas B'Shalach and in Parshas Baloischa, about what are the differences between what we see in Parshas B'Shalach in its, dem, in its uh, introduction of the Mon and the, in Parshas Baloischa. We also have the, the Parsha where, where, where the people complained, right? The Jewish people had major complaints. And they wanted meat. And they weren't happy. We also have the famous parsha of Vahib bin Soya Those two psukim, which we say every time we take out the Sefer Torah from the from the Arna Kodesh. Vahib bin Soya We open up the Arna and we say those special two psukim. And they're prefaced before and after the, these two psukim. There is what's called a nun, a nun hafucha, an upside down, backwards nun. Not only is it in the Torah, it's written an upside down, backwards nun. The, the saver has to turn over the mm-hmm. parchment and write it upside down before and after this parsha. And the Gemara Shabbos tells us that this really doesn't belong here. This whole parsha doesn't belong here, and. Asidin, the Gemara says, in the in future time, this parsha will be Asida parsha It will be uprooted from here and put back where it belongs. Where does it belong? It belongs in parshas Bamidbar. When it talks about the the flags and how they traveled in the Midbar, that's what it's talking about. When the when the Jewish people will travel, and it should be back in parshas Bamidbar. It's so strange. And why do we say this every time we take out the Sefer Torah? And, and what, what's the, what's the pshat with the upside down backwards nun of all letters? Why? What is that all about? And then, of course, we have the, 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 the Parsha ends with the, the again, the, the, after the people were complaining, Moshe Rabbeinu gave this very strange idea to collect 70 people and they were given some kind of nevuah and then the parsha ends off with the very special parsha of when Aaron and Miriam spoke Lashon Hara about Moshe Rabbeinu and 
and you know because he had a different um, different way of, of dealing with in his marital life and they didn't understand it and they didn't appreciate what he was doing as if he was doing something uh, bad against his wife by not living with her properly and it's there that the Torah chooses to enlighten us in the special unique quality of the Nevu of Moshe Rabbeinu which is one of the 13 principles of faith. And it's here, in this week's Parsha, that we're told there's, there's four qualities to the Nevu of Moshe. We say, he was the father of all prophets, before him, and after him. And this is the introduction to belief in Torah. The next animation, this is the Torah. This is one of the 13 principles of faith that, of course, the Rambam didn't write the Animamas, but he wrote the principles in, in Mesech the Sanhedrin. And there are, um, there's a Yesoid of Nevuah that God speak, can speak to people. Most of the people that say they spoke to God are lunatics, right? The Abyssal Meshuga, right? But there is a concept that God does speak to human beings. That's called Nevuah, prophecy. And then there's another level of Nevuah's Moshe. And that's the, 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 that's the sixth of Nevuah. Sixth Yisoy, the seventh Yisoy is Nevuah's Moshe Rabbeinu. Is different. And how is it different in four different ways? At least three out of the four ways are found in this week's Parsha. Why did it wait till this week's Parsha? Why didn't it tell us about that in Parsha's Yisrael? The Gam Bechoy Aminu Lo'ilam. We said that Pasuk back in Parsha's Yisrael. But in this week's Parsha, it, it's where it, it tells us the Psukim that Moshe Rabbeinu spoke Pe'el Pe'. He spoke mouth to mouth. He spoke face to face like friends. And, and everything else that he always had to be ready. And this is what we see in this week's Parsha. Unlike Miriam and Aaron, who were also prophets, but they weren't Moshe Rabbeinu. And that was the answer to the complaint that they had against Miriam. But Miriam, who spoke to Loshon Hara against Aaron, was plagued with Saras, with leprosy. And the Jewish people, in her behalf, Moshe, pleaded that they should wait for her. And, they, and Moshe Rabbeinu davened for her. And that's how the Parsha ends. Very interesting, so many unbelievable events. But I think, like we spoke last week, these are the Parshas that follow Matan Torah. And we have to understand, there's a message. Of course, the Torah you know, is telling us something in each of these Parshas. And we've spoken about some of the Parshas over the last number of years, but... Here we just have to look at the parsha, stand back and look at it uh, in, from a bird's eye view. That we want to know what is it that Torah represents for the Jewish people. 
And as we as we said, you know that from the Gemara in, in Shabbos that <clears throat> the Kervon Har Sinai, the change and the the the, the, the tremendous in, in fundamental change that went through Klal Yisrael by just coming to Har Sinai, that they became purified, and the poison that was in the in humanity since Adam and Chava now left, and we became purified, and in that state of purity, we were able to hear the word of God, and at that moment, we were all lifted up to be prophets on the level of Moshe Rabbeinu. We heard God with our faculties, which no other prophet ever did before or after that, except Moshe Rabbeinu. So at the times of Har Sinai, every single member of Claudius were on the level of the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu because that's the only way that we could observe the level of prophecy that he was at. And this is the story of this is the story of the Jewish people. Even though a mere 40 days later we sinned with the sin of the golden calf. And we went down in our level, but we never lost our status. We never lost our status. Even if, it, if, if Chazal tell, say in some way uh, the, the poison came back into us, but it's not, not the same level. That moment in time of Kervon Lefnei Arsinai, the transformation that happened to the Jewish people, was never lost. That's clear. That was never lost. And we see this as it plays out in the future generations. And one reason why we read the story of Rus and Boaz coming together to ultimately create the Moshiach was part of that story. Boaz, we know through the story of, of Rus, was the, the, the person in line, or one of the people in line. He was the second closest relative Oh, he was the second closest relative um, to do the mitzvah of Yibum on, on Rus. And after the person who will, rename, will, will remain nameless for all eternity as Ploni Almoni, we don't even know his name, it's not in, important who his name was, which in itself is a major lesson that if you don't stand up at the right moment, you lose the opportunity forever. That your name isn't even mentioned uh, in the Sifrei Tanakh. But Boaz stood up and he said, if you don't want to do it, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to uh, take up the, the, the name of the person who died, Machlon, who died, and I'm going to build a home, like the Torah says, that is the mitzvah to do, with Rus. And Boaz had to overcome a tremendous hurdle because we know the Torah says that Rus, who came from Moab, the Torah says, Amon and Moab, lo yova bekal Hashem. They can't enter into the nation of, the, of God. And Rus was from Moab. And until that point, it was unclear that it only meant the males and not the females. Torah doesn't describe it. That's Torah Shabal Peh. 
Boaz stood up and he and his Besdin said, yes, the Torah says, Moab can't come into the nation. That's only Moavi, Veloi Moavit, Amoni, Veloi Amonis. And he had an uphill battle and it wasn't so poshut. But he stood up and he says, no, this is the Psak and this is what we have to go with. And therefore I'm moving ahead. And he married Rus. And even in the times of David Amelech, I'm talking about a, a grandchild of Rus. also went through difficulties it wasn't so so accepted and he also had a difficulty was he a proper Jew or not but Boaz stood up and that's what the Chazal say that the name Boaz represents Bo-Oz in him lies the O's the Torah Hashem O's La'amo Yitain which of course is this famous Pasuk that we say in our davening very often. And it's the Pasuk that the Gemara in Zvachim says that when, when the Torah was given and the nations of the world f- felt that the whole world was shaking, that there was a fundamental change happening. It wasn't just a climate change, global warming. It was nothing like that, even if that is something. It was something that was, something that was serious they all came running to Bilam, the Gemara says. And they said, Bilam, what is going on? The world is shaking at its core, at its founda- foundations. And he says, nah, don't worry about it. Hashem owes la'amo just God is giving his strength to his people. There's a, a bunch of Jews in the desert, and they're getting this uh, book of law. They're getting lo- some laws. And he downplayed it. And not one non-Jew came to, to become a gear. No one, but he said, so what, what's causing the, the shaking up of the world? Bilam was able to downplay it and make it. You see how they came with, with, with the, like Henny Penny, the sky is falling. And he was able with his power of, he used that how he used his power of prophecy to say, ah, it's nothing. I, can you explain what's, what's going on? Eh, it's nothing. He didn't want it to be anything. He knew exactly what it was. But that's, that's, a, different, that's a different idea. But he even, Bilam knew, Hashem owes. It's the strength, it's the strength that holds the world together. And Boaz was that person, came at a pivotal time. And Boaz, in him lies the power of the Torah to con- the continuity. And he came together with Rus, who Rus was the, the epitome of being a convert. Rus, we said that the gematria of Rus is 607, 606, 606. Plus the seven mitzvahs of Benanoach made 613. So she completed herself through her process of of um, of of uh, conversion, and she joined with Boaz for that moment in time. Boaz died the next day. They were together, but one night, and that night was the what created the Moshiach. It's unbelievable! But this is the this is the power and the story of Torah. 
This is the story of Torah, and this, I think, is something that, that, that follows us into the years of Golis. We don't have any more Abes HaMikdash, and we don't have what seems to be the Shechina that we can look out and, and go to a Navi and go to a Kain Godel. We don't have that, but we say, Hashem owes La'amo God gave His strength to the Jewish people that we all represent this, his strength. We all represent the Torah that we fundamentally were, were uplifted by at the time of Matan Torah. And this is what this parsha, in its entirety, from beginning to end, we see Aaron in his way, that Aaron with getting the, the lighting of the menorah, which we know represents Torah in the Torah Shabal Peh of it, which created the holiday of Hanukkah, the Ramban says, based on, on Midrashim, which of course we know is such a universal holiday. Everybody, it's such a lovely holiday that came in the dark of winter, that comes in the dark of Argolis, in the second base of Mignesh when there was no Shechina, and it, it lit the, the hearts of the Jewish people, and it became a light. A growing light. We know it's Moise v'hoilach. The whole inception of it came by, by Aaron. And this is what the Ramban, how he wants to answer. What was the big deal of lighting the candles? Aaron Akhan went to the Kodesh HaKadoshim every year. Why, why appease him with the lighting of the candles? Because the lighting of the candles represented what, what the O's of Torah, the power of Torah, that it will remain and keep kindling, keep the, the, the you blow on it a little bit and the ambers that seem to be dead, will rekindle and re- reignite. And this is the, if you, looking at the, at, the, at the whole Parsha, this is what we, we have to, to look forward to. And, and just, to, just to prove this, we see in our, in our Parsha, right at Hamishi, 782. It says, The Torah rarely doesn't give dates because the Torah is not a, a book of history. But here it gives us a date, very few times. You know, we know Arna Kayan's yard site is the only yard site mentioned in the Torah. It says he was Niftar and of. And there are not too many dates. And, but here it says, It was in the second year, in the second month. On the twentieth day of that month, Nale Ha'ona Mial Hamishkan, the 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 Shechina, the cloud of glory lifted. Now we know what that means because we were just told about we were just told about um, That you have to make these these trumpets. Right? We were just told right before this part, we were told to build these trumpets, and the trumpets are going to alert the people, like we had in the Gomorrah Sukkah. It alerted the people when they were traveling. And here, the the on now it's now it's happening. The on unlifted. And now we knew it's time to travel. So quickly, all the Levium that we were talking about in Parshas Bamidbar and Parshas Nosai 
got their jobs and they got the wagons and they started taking apart the 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 Mishkan like a like a, like a mother is cleaning up the Lego after Shabbos or the Lincoln logs after Shabbos cleaning up after Shabbos and and they load them up on the wagons everybody had their job and we're going where are we going we don't know yet we're going whenever the cloud will rest that's where we set up camp and everybody knew where to go how to travel as we were been talking about for the last uh, Bar Midbar and Nasai. This was the first movement? This was the first movement. Oh, so that's what Rashi says, that Bashan HaShet Nimtzeis HaToimer Shneim Osar Chodesh Chosar Asar Yomim For one year, minus ten days, Osu Bechayr, they stayed where Kabbalah Satoira was. They stayed at Har Sinai. We lose that in the translation, uh, in reading the whole Torah, from Parshas Yisrael till here, they stayed their entire year minus 10 days. Hmm. The eagle happened there, we know, and Moshe went up again twice, not 240 days. This was the first time after a year minus two, 10 days that from Rosh Chodesh Sivan, when they landed in, in Midbar Sinai, till now, which was the second month, ER, the 20th day of ER, which is 10 days shy of Rosh Chodesh Sivan, to be an a, a entire year. This is when they were there at Har Sinai for an, almost an entire year. Recovering. Recovering, yeah, yeah. 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 Recovering and, and taking in the message. What is that they're taking with them? And this, I think, why this is in this week's parsha. That this week's parsha plays a tremendous role in that in that um, journey. These are the building blocks of the Jewish people to know what is that owes, what is the strength that lies in the Torah that we take with us. That that we take with us not only in our travels in the forty years of the desert, which were not yet. Uh, destined that happens next week's parsha, but is happening constantly throughout the millennia of the Jewish people, and this is what is is um, that the, the, to see the difference between what was what the Jewish people were like before the Torah was given and after the Torah was given. And this is what Rebellion Borch Finkel describes what was happening in the, these two parshias that describe the mun. You know, the mun was a special food. It was a spiritual food. And in, in this week's parsha, Yud Aleph Ches, where it talks about the mun, Yud Aleph Ches. It says, Shatu Ha'am. It describes about the man, the, man, the people cried for meat, and then, they, and then they, they said, Oh, we're tired of this man, right? All we have is this man that's, that we can see with our eyes. And now the Torah says a narrative. It's like a shining um, gem. That's the description 
of of uh, of one of the shining stones that that Akash Baruch Hu uses, you know, when he described Matan Torah. Everybody gathered in every day the the mon They grinded it in a in a millstone. Um, they grinded it in a mill, or they pounded it in a mortar, or they cook it in a pot and make it into cakes. And its taste was like the taste of dough kneaded with oil. And then it says when the dew. The mon rested on top of the dew. What, what's all this saying? It's a strange description. So says Rebelli Baruch Finkel, he says, Rashi says on that Pasuk, Pasuk Ches, Rashi says, He says, I know the, I know the Torah says they put it in, a, in a, a mill, they put it in a grindstone, they put it in a mortar, they baked it, they cooked it, it says, They never put it in a, in a millstone. They never put it in a pot. Not in a mortar. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean? The Torah says it, they did. The taste t- changed. But the taste changed as you imagined it, as if you would grind it, as if you would put it in a mortar, as if you would put it in a pot. Mm. And here, this is the aside of that we know, everybody knows that the man tasted whatever you thought about. Right? We all know that. We grow, we taught that at a very young age. Says Rebelli Baruch Finkel, why is this brought here in Parshas Baloischa? It's not brought in Parshas B'Shalach. You know the Moshe of Skenim, there's a sefer called Moshe of Skenim, Old Age Home. It's a, one of the Rishonim. It's a, that, one of the Balitosis. He says that on Shabbos, when you're not allowed to cook, when you're not allowed to bake, he says you're not allowed about to think about baking. Even that's an Isser. Because that's that's the baking of the of the of the mun. We we don't hold of course we don't hold by that, mm-hmm. but it's interesting how far they take it. Mm-hmm. So Rebelli Finkel brings in a Malbum. I know Tamir likes the Malbum. The Malbum has a lengthy discussion, both in Parsha's Bishalach and in Parsha's Baloischa, where he sort of compares the two Parshias and he says what we see in one Parsha we don't see in another Parsha. And he brings three or four differences. One is this thing about thinking about the baking. Another one is, here it says that the uberetis hatal al hamachne, when the dew fell down on the, in the desert, yered hamon alav, the mon came on top of it. In Parshas Beshalach, it says the mon fell and the, ta- and the dew came on top of the mon. Which means that they woke up in the morning, they open up their door, and they see dew early in the morning, if they're early risers, and they say, where's breakfast? Mm-hmm. They have to wait till the sun comes out and melts the dew. Then, oh, there's our, there's our breakfast. Right? What do we call that? Uh, Grubhub? The first uh, <laughs> delivery of breakfast? Uh, all the other... <laughs> there it was. Delivered from God, the mon. In the desert, 
it was the opposite. And he brings four different differences that we see. And he says, the rebellion Baruch Finkel describes it in these terms, that this was the mon pre-Matan Torah, and this was the mon post-Matan Torah. Before Matan Torah, it was a purification process that, he, that God gave us the mon to prepare us for Matan Torah. And then we went through Matan Torah, became the transformation of the Jewish people. We became so connected with God that be, through the Torah that he gave us, that we embodied the Torah. We embodied the, the O's, the strength of God. And we became God-like, godly, back to the original creation of Adam and Eve before the sin. That's the, that is the, what the purification that happened at Sinai. Because of that, he wants to explain, and you'll give you a chance to look at it yourself in the Malbim. That's why we were able to see the Mun even at an earlier time before the sun comes up. Which is a more of a... You can see it because it lied on top of the, of the, of the dew. And it was there available because we had different eyes after, the, after Matan Torah. In other words, so before Mantor, it's more like just stom food. It was food that was that prepared us mm-hmm. for a spiritual existence. Mm-hmm. And of course, it was. It's it, Dover Melech describes a lechem abirim ochlu ish. It's the the Gemara says it's it's food that the Malchi Ashores eat. Mm-hmm. So we were being sort of from the inside out, being being uh, like going through a cleanse, mm-hmm. you know, a spiritual cleanse. Mm-hmm. Now, at, but at the same time, we know that the, the situation of Kalalis and Golos is that we do have a body. And we do function within the body. That is also part of Torah. That's, that was the battle between Moshe and the Malachim. Malachim couldn't have said, you're giving a Torah, this Torah? This Torah that you've been preserving for, for hundreds of generations before the world was created? 974 generations to be exact. We say in the Pasuk and Tillim that Gash created the world, created the Torah a thousand generations before the world was created. And, and then the world was created, then we had 26 generations until the Torah was given. So that means it was 974 generations and the Torah was given at the thousandth generation. So the Malam couldn't understand it. But Moshe Rabbeinu, HaKoshboh told Moshe Rabbeinu, grab onto the Kisya Kovat and give them an answer. This is a famous Gemara in Shabbos. And he gave them the answer. He says, yes, because now through the fusion and the purity of Matan Torah, we were able through our bodies to be agents of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and to preserve and to bring Kedusha to the world. How that works, I don't only God could create that. But it happened at the, the, the transformation at Matan Torah. That was the Kervon Rulifnei That's what it was all about. And now we have the potential, as we spoke about, we were now given the mitzvah of, of, of um, 
resembling HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We were given that, that mitzvah in every which way of halachta bidrach, of going God's ways. Just like God is merciful, so we can be merciful. What do you mean? God is merciful because he's God. What does that have to do with us? But after Matan Torah, it says, yes, imbue yourself with Torah through the mitzvahs, through the study of Torah. You will be able and find ways to grab on to crumbs. And as you raise yourself, you'll be able to purify yourself more and more and more. And this is like the man, you're able to do that. This is what, this is what the giving of the Torah is. And of course we will, we, because we're physical, because we're human, we will slip. And not a 40 days later, we had the, the, the Egel, the golden calf. And we know that, that was a, it's somewhere, some places described as a sin, and some places described as a, as a test. The Mishnah in, in Pirkei Ovis, which is also hinted to in this week's parsha, um, when it talks about this little parsha of Ahibin Soyahara and when the travels, why is it here? It doesn't belong here. That's why the two upside down backwards nuns are here. Why is it here? We know where it belongs. It belongs in Parsha's Bamidbar. But why is it here? So says the Gemara in Shabbos, Kuftaz Zayin Amun Aleph, it's here to separate. Vahibin Soyahoran. This is not the place it belongs. So why is it here? Vulama Kosfakan asks the Gemara. To separate between the two bad things that were happening. There shouldn't be two bad things in a row. What's, this, what's the second bad thing? Right afterwards, it says <laughs> on page 786, it says, <laughs> The people were complaining. People were complaining. They wanted meat. What's the first one? The first one was was the Pasuk where it says Vayisu Mahar Hashem, the Pasuk right before Pasuk Lamed Gimel and they traveled from the they journeyed from the mountain of Hashem and what, what, what was so bad about that so Taisus in, in Shabbos says brings a Medrash because their attitude they left Vayisu Nosu Mehar Hashinai Derchloishis Yomim Ketina Kayoitsimi Besa Sefer, like a child leaves school. Shiborechloi. The bell rings, boom, they're gone. What? Where'd they go? They ran because maybe the teacher will teach him something else. He says, Vaholoch said, Kach, Hoyuborchim Mehar Sinai Derchloishis Yom. They ran away three days' journey. Because they learned a lot of Torah in Sinai. They were there for almost a year. So, so, and they said, who knows, maybe we'll get some more mitzvahs. That, that's the simple interpretation. But, 
they were still integrating. It was a process of integration, of working through the, the physical aspect of life and the spiritual aspect of life. And this is why we find the complaints of the man, because, yes, it's satis- I'm, I'm full, but I have no, sat- no physical satisfaction. I don't see a, a delicious steak in front of me. It's all in my mind's eye. I have to think about a steak then. It tastes like steak. But as soon as I think about something else, there goes the steak. Now what am I chewing? Some gum that lost its taste. And we know the famous uh, Chavetz Chaim, the, the famous Shabbos that Rabbi Schwab, Rabbi Shimon Schwab spent with the Chavetz Chaim and he always talks about it. One Shabbos he spent with the Chavetz Chaim. The Chavetz Chaim Friday night went around the table. It was Parshas, I think Parshas uh, Beshalach, he says, or maybe it was Parshas uh, Baloischa, he says, we know that the man tasted like anything you thought about. He says, what about, what if he didn't think about anything? What did it taste like? He didn't think about anything. He was thinking about, I don't know, something else. What did the man taste like? So he went around the room. No one had a good answer. It's a good question. No, no one thought about that question. So Rabbi Schwab said that the Chavetz Chaim banged on the table and he says, I'll tell you, if he didn't think about anything, it was tasteless. And this is, so it is by Ruchnius, by Torah. If you don't put your head into the game, mm-hmm. it's going to be tasteless. You'll be wrapping those tefillin after a while and just be, what am I doing? Did I say Shema? I didn't say. If you don't think about your tefillah, tefillah is going to be tasteless. If you don't think about the Gemara you're reviewing and your head is not in the game, it's going to be tasteless. The word, it'll be just mumble jumbled words that you'll have, maybe have the translation, but you won't know what is it meaning. When you put your heart and thought into it, then all of a sudden it comes alive. You see things that, questions and answers and ideas and lifelong lessons. It's all there. Every time you go through the Parsha, they say, was this Rashi always there? (laughs) You know, was this Pasuk always there? When was that written? I didn't see it last year. Yeah, you didn't see it last year because you were busy with another Pasuk. That's good. And we should live 120 years being able to go through the Parsha and we'll see new things constantly. Constantly. That was the Chavetz Chaim's answer. He that said, was the Chavetz Chaim's answer. It has no taste. To, it has no taste. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the same thing is with Torah. That was yes. That was the set to the boys and the yeshiva. It had no taste. And, it, and not only is that with taste, it's with mitzvahs also. Rav Rudiman writes that this is something that we also um, observed from people doing mitzvahs. And Rupert has it on Parshas Baloischa in his Sefer Sichas Levi, where he, he talks about what was it that Aaron was so upset. Because he wanted to connect the mitzvah of, of he wasn't jealous. It's not jealousy. He, he said every mitzvah gives so much happiness, so much depth of being that he, he saw this mitzvah of the Nesim and he saw all the miracles that happened to the Nesim. They all brought the same carbon because they had a different machshava. This is ag- exactly the point. 
it was exactly the same to the eye, but in the Machshav it was totally different, as the Ramban says. And he missed that. Aaron says, I missed that because that component can give me so much more. And Akash Brochu told him, don't worry. I have something in store for you that's going to keep the Jewish people bright and lit forever. And that is hinting to Chanukas HaChashmonoyim that saved the Jewish people in the times of the Second Temple and really saves Judaism up until today. What fights against Christianity? To say, no, we have Hanukkah. We don't need Christmas. A lot of Jews, and they wake up, they say, I can light a menorah. I met a, I met a fellow who was not from, he said his family, they lit a menorah every year, they were not religious, they ate, totally, didn't, weren't, totally weren't religious. But they had a menorah in their window. That's what kept them, that's what kept them strong. And menorah represents the, the Torah Shabbat Peh. Torah Shabbat Peh, yeah, yeah, that's the light of, the light of Torah. Mm-hmm. And, and Rav Rudiman writes, this is the potential of every mitzvah. He says, a, the Gemara in Brachas says that, that Rav Eloi, Gemara in Brachas, Daftes on the base, says, Omer Eloi Leula, when I came, he says, they described their friend, Rav Bruna, who was an Adam Godel, the Samach B'mitzvah. He was a great man, and he was happy with doing mitzvahs. And he says that one time, I'll tell you how great this Rav Bruna was, one time he was soymach gula l'tfila, which is something we do every day. We say gol Yisrael, we start Shemun Who goes and plays golf after he says gol Yisrael? Everybody, it's in the sitter. We, we want to finish davening, get on with our day. We go gol Yisrael, and we say Shemun and And by Marav, the same thing. We don't, we don't. Everybody does it. But he did that. And the example is such a simple mitzvah that everybody does. made him so happy that he was able to fulfill that mitzvah. He was happy the whole day. And everybody knew it was because he fulfilled that mitzvah. Maybe he did 10 other mitzvahs. But every mitzvah has its own expression of happiness. And Rav Rudman says that's why he was called a great person. Because he was so sensitized that every mitzvah meant so much and it made him so, him so happy, that was his greatness. Not because he was a big, he had a lot of book knowledge. He understood what every mitzvah meant. And that's why he was an Adam Godel. And this is why, this is, he, you know, he explains other things in this week's parsha by the by Pesach Sheni how the longing that these people had Lomani Gor why should be left out, and they were zeicha because of that that a parsha was written in their name. And it seems from the psukim that we didn't have parsha of Pesach Sheni, Moshe didn't know, or else he said, hey. Did, you weren't in the class. I, I taught this. I taught this already. Where were you? You were sleeping in the class and you didn't show up that day? You were, you know, on your phone? Well, where were you? But she didn't say that. He says, oh, that's a good question. Let me go ask God. 
So it's mashma from the psuk that it wasn't given yet. It was held back. Can you imagine? A piece of Torah was held back from Moshe Rabbeinu until this moment to bring out the longing for of these people in that they were missing out on a mitzvah of Pesach, of carbon Pesach. Why? Because they were Isaac in another mitzvah. They did another mitzvah. They were potter. Why couldn't they do the Gemara and Sukkah? We had a few different uh, possibilities. Who were these people that were complaining here? It doesn't say who they were. So the Gemara says it was either the people that took out the Mishol del Tzofen from the Kodesh, from the Beis Amigdash because they died. You know, they, maybe you know, the sons of Aaron died and they were the ones who took out. Or it was the people who were Tommy Mace for other reasons. But they were doing a mitzvah. So I say, eh, okay, we, we saved money on the Korban Pesach. No, they didn't look at it that way. We missed out our, 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 our we're not the same without that mitzvah. And th- this is to teach us this. So we see in, in this week's parsha, you know, that the, the, the whole, even the eagle, as we, as we said, is, is a test and it was an Avera. Of course it was an Avera, but it was an Avera that proved that Kalalis are constantly being tested. Our physicality and our spirituality are always fighting with each other. Until the Gemara in Avodah on Daf, Daf uh, Dalet Amabes, Hayam and Aleph says that that um, not Klal Yisrael should have done the, mitz, the Avera of Egel. Why were they, why did they have this opportunity or possibility to teach future generations? It says, Yisrael to do the Egel. Because they were on a high madrega, they had Matan Torah. Why did they do it? As the same question on, on Dovra Melech, why he sinned with Batsheva. He says, if, the, if a multitude of a group of people will do an Avera, we'll say, go to, the, go, to the, go to the group. See, the Yisrael did an Avera. It was staged, in a way. This is a whole mm-hmm. question, how Bechira, you know, did Hashem take away their Bechira, forced them to do an Avera? It doesn't seem right. So the Marshal works it out. It's not so pashit, but we have to work. It's a different shear about hashgacha and bechira. Can can Hashem ever take away our bechira? It's a good question. But it, the Gemara says that we it's it's we, they, the people of the door of the midbar that did the egel. They were the example to show that even if many people sin so gravely. And the Gemara says, why can't you learn it from David? Why do you need this also? He says, no, this one has a special thing to it. Rashi says, the Mepharsim Everybody knows that 40 days after Matan Torah, they did something with the eagle. I don't know what if it was, or something, that God wasn't very happy with them. V'ika chilol. There's a chil Hashem. Massive. 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 And we think, wow, when there's Chil Hashem, could there ever be tshuva? No way. Mm-hmm. Says, even with that, no. They did tshuva, and Moshe Rabbeinu stood on their behalf and davened for them, and they got their way out of it, and they were forgiven over generations. 
every generation, the Gemara says, picked away and they had a little bit, that's the Golos, and this is part of the humanity, part of the, the physical, spiritual relationship that we were given in Torah. And it peeks his head out both ways, in the physical side to do sin over the millennia, and the spiritual side we rise up again to build. We always come back. We always come, we're resilient people. We are alive and resilient because God gave us strength. He gave us his strength. Hashem oiz la'amo yiteh. He gave his strength. Not our strength. Not, who's it? Dale Carnegie, right? Or, or one of the other people who, you know, God gave his strength. It's there inside of us. And we will have low points. We will have high points. Never forget that. This is the, this is the, the aside of the Egel, and this is the aside of Matan Torah. This is the aside of our Parsha in many different ways. Um, and this is why, at the, towards the end of the Parsha, we're seeing the bond, the bridge, is Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the physical, but he wasn't physical. He was a human being, but he was, didn't live like a human being. He could go to Har Sinai three times, 40 days, and not eat, not drink, not sleep. And he was always on guard, as we see in the end of the Parsha, being a Navi on his level. Now, we had that level of Har Sinai, but it's not for everybody at all times, so we went back down. And even the greatest of Navi, Miriam and Aaron, will slip in their understanding, but the Torah now comes full circle and teaches us who Moshe Rabbeinu was. And who, on of Mikol Adam Ashal Pnei Adama, it's in this week's Parsha. That he spoke to Hakadosh Baruch Hu upon him, upon him. That's in this week's parsha. Because how did we get the O's? How did we get the power of Hakadosh Baruch through Moshe Rabbeinu? Moshe kept Torah Misinai. Moshe Rabbeinu gave it over. That is our bridge. He was physical. He lived in this world, and he died like a human being. But he bridged and helped us through those forty years that he was our leader, right? He helped us get the fundamentals of Torah in its entirety, that we could take that and build, and we can grow, and we will constantly and always be resilient. That's the promise. That's the promise that Akash gave us. And Bilam saw it, didn't appreciate it, didn't understand it, because it, it, it demanded from him, and he wasn't ready to give up his low level of, of living. You never um, thought about that. Moshe being with the bridge between Shemayim, which he, and, that's earth, right. and earth, basically. That's right. He, actually, he absolutely was. And that's, that's, some people say that's why we say to someone, we say, you should live to 120. Moshe Rabbein lived 120. Rabbi Kiva lived to 120. 120 represents the, the full integration of heaven and earth. And that's, you should live and be your own Moshe Rabbeinu, that you could be. This I heard once, uh, someone wanted to say. Um, that, that, that we, and, and hopefully in the Hashem we should be, we should be zeichet for this uh, in our times, because we're constantly being challenged. Okay.